welcome to Mount Olive First Pentecostal Holiness Church. Thank you for connecting with us. In just a moment, Pastor Jeff will be sharing an uplifting and encouraging message that we pray will inspire you in your walk with God. Our desire at MOFPHC is for you and your family to find hope in Jesus Christ so that He will transform your life. Thanks again for connecting with us. Please contact us if we can help you discover God's purpose for your life. Enjoy the message. I want to talk to you this morning for a few minutes and uh, continuing along with the sermon series I've been doing called Immerse. Many of you are aware that uh, starting at the beginning of January, we started uh, Immerse Bible Study where we're going to read the New Testament together over eight weeks uh, time period, and I'm really enjoying that. I know I've heard many testimonies from several people about how they've been immersed in God's Word, more so than they ever have been in their life, and how the Word has been speaking to them. And I just want to remind you, if you have a testimony about what you've been reading or something that's encouraged you, please share it with us. Uh, it's very encouraging to all of us to hear what God is doing in your life. Um, so please make time uh, to share anything God is speaking to you. This past week, as you will read in your Bible, uh, you should have been reading uh, about those letters that were written by the Apostle Paul. Written by the Apostle Paul. Now, if, do you remember the Apostle Paul? His name was Saul before he became Paul. Saul was a rebel. He was a rebel. He was a man that was out to really uh, destroy the church. He had one mission in mind, and that was to persecute the church and to destroy the church from even existing. So one day, as Paul is on the way to a place to even persecute Christians, to attack them, he has an encounter with Jesus on this road. And when he encounters Jesus, uh, his life is completely changed. He goes from being Saul to Paul. And don't you know, friend, when you have an encounter with Jesus Christ, that Jesus will change everything? And Jesus changed everything in Paul's life. And aren't you grateful today that not only does Jesus change your life, when you, when you come to him and you fall down on your knees and you surrender your life to Jesus, he will change your life. He will save you. And Paul was saved by God's amazing grace. One of the worst people that's ever lived on the earth. He even testified that he was the chief of all sinners. God's grace saved him. Aren't you grateful today that no matter who you are, no matter what you've done in your life, that the grace of God can cover you through the blood of Jesus Christ and you can, your whole life can be changed? And that's what happened to Paul. He encountered the grace of God and his life was changed. And not only was it changed, but now that he was a, a Christian, now God had given him a new purpose and a, and a new plan for life. Aren't you grateful that God had give you a purpose in life? And so... God's purpose for Paul was, I want you to become a missionary and I'm going to send you out to all these different places and you're going, to, you're going to spread the gospel. And that's what Paul did. He went on several missionary journeys and on those journeys, he planted several churches. He planted many churches. And Paul, we see, would have to communicate to these churches. He would, he would have to communicate. And I don't know if you realize it or not, but in this day and time, when Paul was planting those churches, he could not communicate with them through email and Facebook. Did you know that? Now, I, I'm, I'm laughing, but uh, a couple of years ago, one of our kids, we were at somebody's house, and they had one of those phones hanging on the wall with a, like, a, a mile-long phone cord with it. 
and the thing that you turn the dial on, and my kid's like, what is that thing right there? That's a telephone. Yeah, that's a telephone. But this time that Paul was in, if he was going to communicate and encourage the church or remind them to be aware of some things, he would have to write a letter, and that's what he did, and that's where we get these letters here that Paul wrote to these churches. And he would send these letters to these churches by messenger. So this past week, uh, during my reading and study time and prayer time, I felt like the Lord was impressing on me to highlight one of these letters that you were reading about this week. And this letter that I'm going to share with you is packed with a truth that if we will apply it to our life, our whole world could change. I'm telling you, friend, if we will apply this one truth that's inside of this letter here, our whole world will change as Christians. I'm going to go ahead and give you a little secret here to my message. The title of it is The Secret of Triumphant Joy in Your Life. The Secret of Triumphant Joy. How many of y'all could use a little joy in your life? Come on. You could use a little joy in your life. So this letter here that I'm going to be sharing with you is the letter to the Philippians. If you want to go ahead and open your Bibles uh, to the Philippians. And before I get into the heart of my message, I feel like we need to do a little a background here just to kind of get us up to date on what, why Paul was writing this letter. Paul is writing this letter for several reasons. One is he has a special love for this church. If you read Philippians, you're going to see how he talked about a compassion and a love that he had for this church. Why did he love this church so much? Well, I'll tell you why. When Paul became a missionary, he began to travel all over different places. And while he's traveling, he encounters hardships. He encounters suffering. He goes through all kinds of trials in his life. This man is hit from all kinds of different directions with trouble after trouble. And through all that, he would find himself in some places where he had so many needs in his life. And this church... The church in Philippi, the Philippian church, they would send Paul money to help him to meet those needs and to, uh, to help him continue to advance the uh, gospel on his missionary journey. So Paul, he never forgot that. He, he wrote them in this letter to remind them that I'm thankful for what you did for me. I, I thank you for your kindness. I thank you for your generosity. Thank you for meeting that need and giving me that gift when I was going through one of the toughest times of my life. Has anybody ever done something for you when you were going through one of the toughest times of your life? Aren't you grateful, friend? Aren't you grateful for people that are generous and kind? And you know what? God's people should be that way. Can I get an amen? amen. So Paul, he writes them to thank them for their gift, but he also writes them and he's warning them that they need to safeguard their faith in Jesus Christ. They need to place a guard around their faith in Jesus Christ. And the reason why is rumor and word has got back to Paul that these religious troublemakers have made their way into the Philippian church. They've made their way in. Paul called them dogs. Now, that wasn't nice of Paul, was it? He said they're dogs. He says these dogs, these troublemakers have made their way into the church in Philippi and they're teaching a false doctrine that yeah, you can be saved by faith but you need to follow the Jewish law. You need to follow the Jewish custom. In other words, you need to add some human effort to your salvation. And don't you know that's a lie from hell? Friend, uh, you, you cannot earn your salvation by any works. The Bible says that no one can boast about any works that were only saved through grace through Jesus Christ. Friend, if you could do anything at all to earn your salvation, there would have been no need for Jesus to come and die on the cross. 
And Paul was reminding him, don't let these dogs in the church, don't let these religious troublemakers in the church, they're trying to add something to you guys and put a burden on you that shouldn't exist. You are saved through the grace of God. And that's true for us today as well, that we're saved. So Paul's warning them about these troublemakers. Now don't you go around calling nobody no dog today now. Not only was he warning them about these troublemakers, but he was also warning these people. He says, you need to guard your heart and your faith in Jesus Christ as well because you're going to face some suffering and you're going to face some trials in your life. And the reason being is, is because the church in Philippi was in a, an environment in an area that was controlled by the Romans, which was an anti-Christian culture. So you're going to face some hardships, church. You're going to face some sufferings. And I'm just telling you in this letter that you need to guard your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and don't let anything keep you from keeping your eyes on Jesus Christ. He's warning them. But here's something that I've noticed here in this passage of this letter. Paul begins to weave in something here that we see from chapter after chapter. And I'll see if you can figure it out after I read these verses to you here. In Philippians 3, verse 1 in the, this letter, Paul says to these church members, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things. I do it to safeguard your faith. Rejoice in the Lord. Say rejoice. Rejoice. And then if you flip the page over in this letter that Paul is writing, in chapter 4, verse 4, you read this. Always be full of joy in the Lord. Always be full of joy. Say joy. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. One translation says it like this. Rejoice always in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. And because the Lord is coming soon, we should rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice. I hope you're rejoicing today. This theme that Paul weaves into this letter is that we should be joyful in our walk with God. We should be the most joyful people that walk this earth today is what Paul is telling us. Did you know in that one letter that Paul mentions the word joy and rejoice over 16 times in that one letter? Now, my teacher in school told me you learn by repetition. And you do learn by repetition, repeating it over and over. He said to me one time, if you cheat, you will repeat. And then he said, you know what? If you don't cheat, you are going to repeat. <laughs> but repetition, repetition is how you learn. And, and this is the truth here. In, in the Hebrew language, in the Old Testament, if you saw something repeated over and over again, it was there to put an emphasis on what they were trying to communicate so we see joy, we see rejoice. It's like putting it in bold letters saying, don't miss what I'm about to tell you. Paul's saying, listen, I'm repeating it over and over again. Don't miss what I'm about to tell you because this truth, this command that I'm giving you can change your whole life. So don't miss it is what Paul is saying. And I say the same thing today, don't miss it. I think a lot of us are missing joy today in our life. Paul was commanding this church to rejoice always. Listen, listen to this. Notice this. He didn't say rejoice in people. He, he said don't rejoice in people. Rejoice in the Lord. How many of you know that people will let you down? Has anybody ever let you down before? Just, just lift your hand. Don't look at them. 
Re rejoice in them. You know, friends will let you down. Family can let you down. People can let you down. But Paul says, listen, don't rejoice in people. Rejoice in the Lord. He says, listen, don't rejoice in your wealth and don't rejoice in your money because one storm, one natural disaster can come through and wipe away everything you got and you'll be left with nothing. Friend, don't rejoice in, in, in money and in wealth, but rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Evidently, because of the pressure that this church was in in such a hostile environment, they must have been in danger of losing their joy because Paul keeps reminding them to rejoice. Don't lose your joy. And look at the world that we live in today. Man, you talk about a hostile environment that we live in. You turn on the news at night and all you see is rage and hate and anger. Am I telling the truth? That's all you see and it's getting worse and worse and worse. Rage, hate, and anger. People are filled with rage and people are filled with anger. Did you know that people will shoot you over road rage now? They will kill you over road rage. People in politics attacking one another out of anger and out of rage. We're living, we're living in a day, friend, listen to me. We're living in a day where people are lacking joy. You just go uptown and walk around. You go into Walmart. You go into a store. You walk around town and you look on people's faces and it looks like they've been sucking on a lemon drop, friend. They're, they're lacking joy in their life. And the sad part about it is that lack of joy has crept into the church and God's people as well. It's crept right into the church. Did you know that Paul said this right here in one of his letters when he was talking to the Galatians? He looked at them and here's what he said. Where, where is your joy? Paul said he looked at them. Where is your joy? Where, where is your joy? Where's your joy, sir? Where's your joy, ma'am? Where's your joy? That's what Paul wanted to know about. Evidently, if, if, if God is coming to your life through Jesus Christ and he's washed your sins away and you're saved now, you, you should be showing some kind of joy in your life. And Paul says, well, where's your joy? And my question today is, where, where, where's, where's our joy? Where, where's your joy? Where's your joy? Where's your joy? Paul's not talking about some kind of Joy that you can work up on your own, some kind of fake joy with a, with a fake smile. I really think God's people have got this fake joy down pat. We know how to put it on sometimes. Come on now. Let me give you an example. If you ever had kids growing up and they were real small at times, talking about fake joy. Not that this happened in my house now. Just imagine a Sunday morning. You're trying to get out the door to come to church and one of the kids knocks over something headed out the door and spills milk all over the kitchen while you're trying to get out to church and you're already 15 minutes late. You get in the car and you look in the back seat and you notice little Johnny's got on two different shoes. And then you're on your way to church and, and you're in a hurry and your wife's over there putting makeup on and you got to suddenly hit the brakes and when you do, her lipstick goes up her nose. And then she looks at you and starts yelling and you start yelling back. Next thing you know, the kids are crying in the back seat. And then you whip into the parking lot here at church and, and you get out of the car and everybody's mad as fire and you've been just having all kinds of words exchanged and you walk in the door and the usher greets you and says, hey, Brother Dale, how you doing? And you say, glory to God. God is good today. God is good. God is good.
Oh, I hit a nerve on that one. Lord, we're going to stop now and pray for this crowd. Jesus, help them. Paul is not talking about a fake joy that you can put on your face and a fake joy that you walk around with. Paul's not talking about the happiness of the world either. He's not talking about being happy that the world can try to give you some kind of happiness in your life. Let me tell you, friend, the reason why is because happiness is based entirely on your circumstances in your life. If things are going good, you're happy. If things are going bad, you're not happy, right? I mean, if the sun's shining, I'm happy. I'm going to be happy tonight at sundown. Hallelujah. I can already see it right now. I've been seeing it at nighttime when I close my eyes. It's a barbecue sandwich. And the barbecue sandwich, instead of a bun, it's going to have Krispy Kreme donuts on the outside of it. And then on top of the barbecue, there's going to be a Kit Kat bar. And I'm going I'm to be, be like Phil Robertson, happy, happy, happy tonight. I'll probably be sick, sick, sick. See, happy comes and happy goes. You know what I'm saying? It depends on your circumstances. Wednesday, uh, I was at home working on some stuff that I had on a list that I was trying to get done. I had a, a porch on my barn that was rotten, and one of my goals while I was off was to get that, uh, that barn, the porch replaced, and I'm not very good at that. I found that out. But I was really thankful for how God was helping me get some things accomplished. And I was really happy at the progress that was being made. And Wednesday afternoon, uh, I was out there and I was kind of looking at things. And I had a few more things to do. And I had a hammer in my hand with a wood chisel. And I had a piece that I needed to break off. And Lucas's friends are all out there on the patio waiting for Lucas so they can come to church here. And I'm getting ready to kind of get things finished up. And I'm happy, I'm happy. And I reached back to swing and hit that chisel and I missed and hit my knuckle. I won't happy after that. As a matter of fact, I just kind of kind of laid there on that porch for a minute and didn't know what to say. The Bible says, you know, that when you don't know what to pray, that the Holy Spirit will give you these groanings. And I was groaning, friend. I was groaning. But I went from being real happy to real sad. Because your circumstances in your life, they change. You know, the sun's shining outside, I'm happy. Everything's good at my house, and my kids are doing well in school, and nobody's getting in trouble, I'm happy. The bills are paid, I'm happy. Food on the table, I'm happy. There's gas in the car, I'm happy. But friend, you let one trouble, one problem come your way, and next thing you know, happiness has flown out the window, and you're walking around in despair, you're walking around in discouragement, you're walking around, and everything just seems to be pulling you down even farther. Come on. And God, and God says through Paul here, that's, that's not the way he wants us to live our life. That He says, I want you to know that you're to rejoice in the Lord always. When you study that word, or those, that little phrase, rejoice in the Lord always, it's a continuous thing that every day, all day long, I'm going to be rejoicing in the Lord. Friend, how in the world can you be discouraged? How in the world can you be depressed? How in the world can you be down that if every day you wake up that you're constantly rejoicing in the Lord all day long? I'm rejoicing in you, Lord. I'm rejoicing in you. Friend, you can't have both. And if you'll just begin rejoicing the Lord, then that dark cloud, that dark spirit, that discouragement will begin to leave and those joy gears will begin to turn and you'll begin to lift your hands and just begin to praise the Lord because of the joy he gives you. So Paul gives us the secret on how to have a triumphant, joyful life. Here's the secret. He says, rejoice that you know Christ. 
Rejoice that you know Christ. That's the very first thing, friend. If you want to have the joy of the Lord in your life, the very first thing you need to do is make sure that you know Christ. Here's what Paul said. You read that letter. Paul said, I have pursued after many things in my life. I have achieved many goals in my life. I've done this and I've done that. And then he looks back at everything that he's accomplished in his life and he says, you know what? None of that, not, not one thing of that has any worth or has any value compared to knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Praise the Lord. Listen, I don't care, friend, how successful you have been or where you are or what you got planned in your life. Nothing will have any value. Nothing will ever compare to knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Please don't ever forget that. Paul even said, I consider all that garbage. I consider it all trash in comparison to knowing what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross. So here's my encouragement to you. When you feel like your joy is being robbed from you for whatever reason, Paul says to guard your faith by rejoicing that you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. When you're under attack in your life and you just feel that dark cloud coming on you and you're blindsided by things, just start rejoicing that you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Just wake up that morning and instead of focusing on the grumbling and the complaining and the problem, just open your mouth and begin to rejoice that I know Jesus Christ. I rejoice that my sins are forgiven. There's no record of them in heaven anymore. My, my sins have been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ I'm saved I'm on my way to heaven so no matter what happens friend nothing can shake me now because I'm on my way to heaven I rejoice he says rejoice that you can wake up and rejoice knowing that the, the power of God's resurrection that he lifted Jesus up and Jesus is alive friend you need to rejoice every day that the, Jesus the king of your life he's not dead he's alive Rejoice that he's in control. Rejoice that he answers prayer. Rejoice that he's for you and not against you. Rejoice that he works all things out for his glory. Rejoice that he will never abandon you or leave you. Rejoice that he's with you always to the very end. Rejoice that you know him, friend. Do you know him? Do you know him? His name is Jesus. Do you know him? Because if you know him, you will know joy. But no joy, no Jesus. Maybe that's the problem this morning. Maybe you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. And friend, we've been here this morning and he's been speaking to your life, speaking to your heart. Maybe he's trying to tell you, you know, today is the day of salvation for you. If you want to know true joy, you need to surrender everything to him, friend. Let this day be the day that you place your faith in Jesus Christ. If you want to know the true source of joy, friend, you'll never know it. The things of this world will try to come in and provide you with some kind of happiness and some kind of satisfaction, but will all fade away, friend. But Jesus will never fade away. He will never leave you if you'll just call on him. He says this in John 15, 11, I've told you this, that, you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. It's the joy of Jesus in you. It's not something that you can try to manufacture or trying to work up, friend. It's the joy of Jesus. He wants to fill you, and he wants that joy to be complete in your life. Aren't you grateful for that? I'll never forget a couple of years ago, and I don't recommend a lot of it because a lot of it's trash if you ask me. 
But uh, there are some Christian networks out there that you can watch. And you got to be careful what you watch on those things. You hear me? So there was an episode on one of these Christian channels, and it was a man, a great man of God by the name of Reinhard Bonnke. Have you ever heard of this man? A great man of God. I mean, a Christian evangelist. And he is over in Africa, and he is preaching the gospel. When you look out there amongst the crowd, it looks like a sea of thousands and thousands of people. You can't even see the ground. People are just standing all around to hear the gospel. And at the very end, he gives an altar call and and people just go forward and they start surrendering their life to Jesus Christ. And after the the crusade is over with, the camera crews, they come down into the crowd and they begin to follow these people uh, back to uh, their villages or whatever they were going to, the towns. And and the cameras are on them and these people who had just given their hearts to Jesus Christ, they're walking through the streets and they're, they're dancing and they're rejoicing and they're singing and they're praising the Lord all the way through the villages right into a, a hut that's made out of mud and made out of sticks and just a run down shack. And you know what? It didn't matter to them. It didn't matter to them that they were surrounded by, by poverty. It didn't matter to them that they were surrounded by violence. It didn't matter to them that they were surrounded by a place that's plagued with AIDS. They didn't care because they, were, they had a new song of joy in their heart because they knew Jesus Christ. And friend, listen to me. Yes, hallelujah. And that same joy can be yours today, friend, no matter what you got in going on in your life. And I know some of you have been through some stuff, some junk in your life. Some of you are young and some of you are old and been through some stuff. But no matter what you got to go into, friend, you can still shout. You can still dance. You can still have a song of joy because you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Do you know him? He wants to know you. But it all begins with you surrendering your life so he can change everything. Let me tell you something, friend. Jesus can change the entire outlook on your life right now. You may be consumed with all kinds of stuff, overwhelmed with some kind of darkness that's trying to penetrate through you and feels like it's trying to take you out, friend. If you will surrender your life to Jesus Christ, he will change everything and he will fill you with his joy. Praise the Lord. Paul also said this. He said, rejoice in sharing the gospel. Listen, I've experienced some wonderful and joyful times in my life. Our wedding day was a joyful time. Brownie points. I remember when the boys were born. A joyful time in our life. I remember the day that I gave my life to Christ. That was a joyful time in my life. But I want to tell you something, friend. I can't think of much that's more joyful than when you have an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody and that person gives their life to Jesus Christ. Friend, that's one of the greatest and most joyous things that can happen in your life is you share the gospel and people uh, surrender and they begin to follow Jesus Christ. And Paul said this. He says, I'm full of joy because we've been partners in sharing the gospel. He says, listen to this. He says, I'm wrapped up in these chains. Paul is writing this letter from prison. He says, I'm wrapped up in these chains and I still rejoice because the gospel is spreading all over the world and people are being saved. Listen, friend, we should be the most joyous people. We should be joyous because right in the middle of our anti-Christian culture that we live in today, despite what you see on the news, despite what you read, that right here in the middle of everything that's going on, God is still saving souls, friend. 
He's still saving souls. And that's what Paul was so grateful about. Even in the midst of a Roman Empire, that the good news of Jesus Christ was being preached. Did you know that the Bible says that in heaven, that heaven rejoices over one who will repent and return back to God? If heaven's going to rejoice, don't you think the body of Christ, the church, should be rejoicing when somebody's saved? We should be rejoicing that God is saving people today, that he's transforming them by the power of God through Jesus Christ. Do you need to be transformed today, friend? Jesus can do it if you just surrender to him. Listen, I want to tell you this story. At the end of 2018, because of your heart for missions, I don't know if many of you remember or not, but we had a day that we collected for missions, and we took part of that money that we collected, and we were able to plant a, a Pentecostal holiness church in Israel. We planted a church in Israel. And let me tell you a little bit of a story here. I don't know if many of you know this or not, but Israel is one of the most persecuted places for Christians. You wouldn't think that, but it is. And so I'm not allowed to say a whole lot because of the safety of that church and also the brothers and sisters in that area, but I will tell you this news here that came to me just a few months ago from that church and some of the people in our missions department. I just want you to know what God is doing as the gospel is being spread all over the world. The man who was pastor in that church, this man of God, I want you to hear his testimony. The church that we planted in Israel from this church here, this man's got a testimony who was a man that was overcome by addictions in his life. He was overcome with addiction and he lost everything and ended up on the streets in Israel. And he was abandoned. He gave up on himself and everybody else gave up on him too. And while he's there on the streets in Israel, these Russians who have been converted into Christians come through and they rescue this young man off the streets and they take him to a hospital and he gets the proper medical care and he's restored and, he, and, they, and the Christians that are the Russians, they come and they, they take him and they put him in their house and they begin to nurse him and look out for him and they begin to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ and this man that was abandoned on the streets and left for dead, he surrenders his life to Jesus and Jesus heals him and delivers him and now this man, this one man that was on the streets written off Dead, pretty much. Now he's leading this church in Israel today. Glory to God. Glory to God. And now the church there has a mission of rescuing these people off the streets, man. They're a place of hope. Isn't that awesome what God is doing? We Listen, we should be rejoicing here because we've been able to partner with them in sharing the gospel, friend. There is power in the gospel. There is power in the good news of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, friend, that the message of the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing. But for us that are being saved, it's the power of God. Aren't you grateful for the power of God, friend, through the message of the cross that can come here and just change you and transform you into a new creature? Make old things go away and all things become new. Do you need something new in your life today? Then you need Jesus because he's the only one that can do it. I'll never forget talking about the power of the gospel and how it spreads. At one point in time, a few years ago, we had a prison ministry here through Celebrate Recovery. We were able to go into the Wayne Correctional Prison before it closed down. Every Sunday after church, there would be a group of us to go to the prison, and we would minister to them. It was like a church service. 
And it was, I will never forget, there was one man that was in that group that was in that prison. And every time we went, he would sit in the very back and he would have a, just a stone cold look on his face and just a, a stone heart, wouldn't say anything. He wouldn't participate in anything we were doing. All he would do was he would show up just to have some time away to come there. Sunday after Sunday, he would do this. And then we got word one day before we went to our next meeting that this guy, his name was Daniel, this guy Daniel had heard the gospel and he had given his life to Jesus Christ. And, and I'm telling you right now, man, there, there, there's this guy who was so hard on the inside and had such a, a, a hard look on the outside, a guy who wouldn't say anything, now he was full of the Holy Spirit, the Lord had come in, and now he was full of joy. This guy that wouldn't do anything, now he wants to lead the group. Now he wants to teach. Now he wants to sing. This guy's full of joy. And it's all because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Friend, if you got somebody you're praying for, don't give up on them, friend. Hey, just keep preaching the gospel to them. Pre preach the good news to them because the, the, the word of God can change them. And I'll, listen, this, this guy here, he was so full of joy, he was getting on my nerves. I mean, he was a bubble of joy. You, you'd go into that prison, friend, and he would be like, what are we going to do today? Hey, pastor, what are we going to do today? I'm like, good, now, nah, calm down, son, calm down. How you doing today, pastor? Jeff? Just leave me alone, man. But that's how we should be. That's how we should be. We should be full of joy, rejoicing in the Lord always because we got Jesus in our heart. Amen. God help us today. The Bible says that we have this joy. The Bible calls it inexpressible joy, full of glory because of you have the salvation of your soul. Friend, knowing that you're saved, that should give you an inexpressible joy, full of glory. Pastor Kevin, if you'll come and help me, sir. And finally, I'll tell you the third part of this secret on how we can rejoice in the Lord. Paul said this. He says, I'm being poured out like a drink offering. In other words, he says, I'm suffering. I'm suffering. I'm suffering for the sake of the gospel. He says, but guess what? I still rejoice. I got some struggles in my life, but I can still rejoice. Friend, listen, I know many of you got some struggles in your life today. You got some struggles in your life. But despite the struggles in your life, friend, you can still rejoice in the Lord. And here's what Paul said. Here's the reason why. He says that, Things are going to come your way and they're going to hit you and try to rob you of your joy. People will. Enemies will come at you that will try to rob you of your joy. Complaining and grumbling, that'll rob you of your joy. Paul went on to say, strife in your relationships with somebody, that'll rob you of your joy. Circumstances in your life, will rob you of your joy. But here's what he said. Don't, don't let your, don't, don't be anchored, friend. Don't let your joy be anchored in people. Don't let your joy be anchored in your circumstances. Paul said, let your joy be anchored in Jesus Christ, the one that will never disappoint you and the one that will deliver you from your troubles. Don't, don't be anchored to that thing that's causing strife in your life. Don't be anchored to that thing that's causing worry in your life. Don't be anchored to it, friend. Be anchored to Jesus. 
Because he's the hope for your soul. I heard a testimony this past week of a man who was an alcoholic from the age of 13 all the way to 18. Drinking every day as hard as he could. His mom was a praying mom. She prayed every day, every day she prayed for that boy. And at age 18, he finally surrendered his life to Jesus Christ. And a few years later, he felt a call of the Lord over him and God opened up a door and now he's pastoring a church. And he went to his mom and said, how in the world, how in the world did you keep it all together? How did you maintain joy when I was going through those years of alcoholism? How did you do it? And she said, just let me tell you. She said, my joy was never anchored in you running around as an alcoholic. And she said, my joy is not even anchored in you as a pastor now. She said, my joy has always been anchored in Jesus. And that's how I held it together. And friend, that's how you're going to be able to hold it together too. You can rejoice in the Lord always because you're anchored in Jesus. Listen to this verse right here. I'm going to close it, I promise. It's been a while. You know, you just keep, have grace and mercy with me. In Habakkuk, listen to this. This was a farmer talking. Though the fig tree does not bud or there's no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, listen to what he says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. And then he goes on to say, I will be joyful in God my Savior. Friend, despite your struggles in life, you can still rejoice in the Lord. The Bible says that the joy of the Lord is your strength. Don't, don't miss this right here. The joy of the Lord is your strength. How many of y'all have ever heard that verse, that verse and said, well, what does that mean? The joy of the Lord is your strength. Let me tell you what it means. Every day that you wake up and you begin just rejoicing in the Lord because you know Him, rejoice in Him because the gospel is changing people's lives. When you just wake up and start rejoicing, you start getting strength in your life. You, you could be going through the worst times of your life, friend, and if you'll just begin rejoicing, rejoicing, then the joy of the Lord becomes your strength. And next thing you know, He's picking you up. He's picking you up. And some of you might need some strength this morning. Some of you may need some joy in your life today. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes, please? Let, let this be a time that you can just be real with God right now. Nobody's looking around, friend. Nobody is looking around. If you need joy in your life this morning, would you just lift your hand right now? Come on, would you lift it? Come on, would you lift your hand? That's me, that's me, that's me. God sees it, God sees your hand. God sees your hand. You can put it down, you can put it down. I need some joy in my life. Not the joy that the world gives, but I need joy from Jesus in my life. It all starts with you surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. If you would just confess to Jesus and know Him as Lord and Savior, just, just admit to Him, say, Lord, I'm a, I'm a sinner, and I admit to you I need forgiveness in my life. And right now where I'm at, I'm, I'm repenting of my sin. I'm turning from it, and I want to place my 
trust and faith in you, God, and I want your joy to fill me and make my joy complete. I receive you into my life right now, Jesus, to be my Savior. Wash my sins away. Give me a new start. Make all things new in my life. I want that right now in Jesus' name. Did you pray that to him right now? Just talk to him and say, I just didn't say, Lord, I need you. The Bible says everyone who calls upon you.